Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Immigration Guy podcast. We are with Ferris Mike U today. He's the owner and operator of Grassworks Lawn Care in Austin, and he serves the surrounding areas. Uh, I know Ferris pretty well. He's a big advocate for the H2B program. He's very knowledgeable at, about the H2B program and the players, so he's a great resource. He's also, his company's awesome. I, I do, I use them personally for my lawn care at home. They do good work, really responsive. If you're looking for him, you can find them online at grassworksaustin.com. Uh, they're a great company. Hey y'all, this is The Immigration Guy with Kyle Farmer. Ferris, why don't you just take a second to tell people about yourself? Hey, um, my name is Ferris Mikey, like Kyle said, and I own and operate a landscape business in Austin, Texas called Grassworks. Cool. Uh, so what got you into landscaping? What were you doing before then? Uh, I was a firefighter. And um, as many people know, firefighter schedules are, you know, long hours and then time off, you know. So uh, looking for ways to make extra cash and put a couple ads on Craigslist. And the first one was like literally right down my street in Brushy Creek in Round Rock. And I made like 75 bucks for a one-time mow and I just... The math seemed right for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, you, what year was that that you started that? That was 2007. 2007. Okay, cool. And when did you go into it full time? Uh, I think we, we really turned the gas on probably 2016. We really got focused. It was the year uh, my daughter was born. So, kind of, you know, my, the dad moment, like, you know, the boy to, to man moment was that 2016 mark. So, d- did you have any employees at that point? 2010, we had our first crew. Oh, really? Uh, hired my first employee. Is that when you were still a firefighter? Mm-hmm. So you had both. We're running both, and it was it was difficult. Yeah, <laughs> it was it wasn't cupcakes and fairy tales, but it was uh, it was definitely a, a big juggle, if you will. So, how many people did you have? Let's say at the most from 2010 to 2016, at any one point. We were running about six crews. Okay. From from 2010 to about 2016 fluctuated with turnover and you know hiring yeah. certain jobs and certain types of uh, seasons you know it could be a dry season it could be a slow season busy season so it was about 68 crews from 2010 to 2016 so then was it just a point whenever you had your daughter where you were just like I need to either go all in on this or or not what made you say like okay I don't I'm not going to do the firefighter thing I'm going all in on landscaping the opportunity and the central texas was booming yeah and the well, last part of it i i, I knew my, having a daughter wouldn't be cheap <laughs> so <laughs> you, uh, yeah you it's, started. It, it's just i had to some, find someone to pay the bills yeah. you know and uh, that was kind of it that's cool so what do you think was the hardest thing about starting your own business oh wow this is good this is more than a podcast <laughs> yeah. well in my industry in the landscape space it's not easy work right it's outside it's hot it's you uh, were doing it too yeah, yeah. i was doing both and uh <laughs> you know recruiting and onboarding employees it's not something uh you know uh, a ready and willing american would, would want to take on it's not yeah. an ideal job very labor intensive so what did you think what whenever you were starting your business was there any aspect about it where you were fearful of any of the risk? Uh, risk as far as not being able to operate on a financial level? Or yeah, just... because, I mean, you, you, you're taking on some responsibility, you know, whenever you're buying equipment. You're buying lawnmowers. Those sorts of things aren't cheap. What, what did that 
what did that feel like taking on that kind of risk? Oh, the risk was not comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, sometimes so, it's calculated, yeah. um, you know, educated guesses mm-hmm. a lot and uh, common sense. And then the other part of that mm-hmm. was just applying it to the market. You know, there's... Uh, it, it is interesting because I, I remember whenever I was first getting started, one of the things that was most intimidating to me was hiring someone because I was so scared that, you know, I would hire someone that all of a sudden the work would fall apart. And now I, that person's relying on me. And that's a, that was always a really intimidating thing for me. Absolutely. Um, you have a lot of obligations. Yeah. And you're really feeding a lot of families. I know. And taking care of a lot of other people that you don't really see directly. Yeah, that, that even even to this point, uh, I mean, I'm not nearly as fearful about hiring people anymore just because our business has grown so much. But uh, oh, I walk in here and everyone, <laughs> it's Ferris from Grassworks. <laughs> Ferris from Grassworks, like, do I know you? And then everyone's so nice. Uh, uh, I appreciate Every, that. A lot of hospitality. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good people. I have One of the things that I try to focus on, though, is uh, growing in a, in a, financially responsible way because you know right now it's i I think it's it's tempting in a lot of ways to act recklessly uh because of how competitive the job market is here and you can do a lot of things to be pretty reckless but then that the problem that i see with that is if you are reckless whenever you have to be aggressive like you are now uh the consequences on the other side of that so let's say during a recession and people start this work starts slipping, uh, and the the consequence of that of having to lay people off, that's something that I'm not I'm not doing. I just want I, I won't do it. Like in 2020, we had a huge dip in work from COVID, uh, especially being immigration lawyers. You know that that year was it was a it was a tough year. I think for most businesses, and ours was no different. But it was just one of those things. Like I refuse to lay people off because of COVID. I'm not doing it. And so I, I try to grow my business with that in mind. And I, I think a lot of that is just because, you know, growing up, not a lot of consistent financial security. And so now, I, which I'm, I'm really grateful for yeah, actually at this point. Absolutely. And I think it makes a big difference in how you, your mentality towards other people and, and their reliance on you. It, it makes a big difference whenever you actually know how that feels. Whenever you know, I can provide an opportunity for people where they don't have to worry about fluctuations in market conditions, but it does take a lot of financial responsibility and foresight in the first place. So that's something that we really try to focus on and prioritize and hopefully communicate to our people. So kind of a kind of an interesting thing, especially right now with inflation so high. Oh, it seems like every year we'll present you something. Like you just mentioned, COVID was... <laughs> yeah. You couldn't hire, and you couldn't fire. It was yeah. just a weird, weird position. It was really weird. And I don't know about you, but the current state of energy right now has really affected operations you know bottom line yes and what what people don't understand is it's so detailed everything has gotten so expensive there's not much option you can only get so creative yeah so long well and and i imagine for you i mean so for us it impacts us but kind of in a secondary way because if it impacts our clients it impacts us for you it would impact you directly because y'all run everything on fuel I mean, so we have a big fuel invoice. I, I, it's bigger than Kyle's invoice. <laughs> um, but it's um, it's what are we going to do? Get get Teslas and no and um, sun powered lawnmowers. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's just not technology. Well, you're not, not going right to run there. a bunch of Ryobi's out there. Not going to be switching out batteries all the time. No, <laughs> I, 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 I would I would probably come work for you. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I would do something else. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be practical. Uh, it, no, it wouldn't. I know. 
I know it's crazy. When did you start using the H2B program? Oh, I, used, I started using the H2B program back in the Obama administration in 2015. Okay, so you were still you, you were using that while you were still firefighting, and actually just right before you transitioned out. Yes, that's that's correct. And the that's uh, actually 2014, and I got um, I had some bad counsel advice. Mm -hmm. You know, I came. My H2B attorney at the time. I met not me. Not you. Not, not <laughs> Kyle Farmer. Uh, and I won't say the other name. Um, I got some kind of some, you know, lies of fair advice, lazy advice. And uh, I, I, unfortunately, I took it because I didn't know any better. And uh, I had to wait a whole nother year. And basically, to answer your question, 2015, uh, Obama administration, the reason I highlight Obama administration, because I think that transition between Obama and Trump really turned the program. Mm -hmm. It really eye-opening to the program. And, and I think historically, I think the pro that's when the program has really changed and you see these fast caps. You get these employers that are having their labor issues now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and looking back on it historically the the biggest change that i've ever seen with it was actually between the bush administration and the obama administration and we've talked about this yeah like a couple weeks ago yeah i believe so yeah yeah the bush administration was really h2 friendly with h2a h2b they were really really friendly and what we've had now is a, a streak of three presidents in a row that are not nearly as h2 friendly yeah, I, I completely agree, and I can kind of identify and label the pros and cons of each administration, yeah. and not to make it political, whether it's left, right, and middle. I, that's not. I that's, don't mind because <laughs> well, the H two B program is definitely. I mean, I'm pro business. Yeah, that's all it is. It's yeah. definitely. Um, it's it's pro business. It's uh, in my opinion, I can get the economy moving quickly. You can get people up in the air. Yeah, I mean, you're not struggling. You, you actually have you can go to market. Yeah, with a good labor force. Yep. That's kind of simple, but oh, well. So, and it it is interesting, and I talk to people about this all the time. With H two B, it's not like you have a straight party political ally. You have allies in both parties. You tend to have more allies that are Republican. That's just how it is. But there are some Democratic allies. Uh, the ones that are definitely not your allies are the ones that are owned by the labor unions correct that's the reality and and you've seen i mean like nancy pelosi for example has single-handedly obstructed some really favorable h2b legislation in the budget bills for several years in a row i mean i don't think that she would even say no i haven't i think she would be like yeah of course i have but it is kind of interesting because you also see republicans that are like just pay people more yeah, just pay people more. Fares. We we can go. I mean, we can talk about this. is um, This is why the conversation is so dynamic. Yeah, the H two B topic is so dynamic. Yeah, it is, and it, it really is. And we have some leadership here in Texas that, like you just mentioned, that you know, why you just pay more? Just pay more. Yeah, just and pay um, more. we also have some representation that just wants to ignore it. Yeah, because their con constituents are, you know, whether it's the conservative or liberal, they just. They feel like there's jobs here that people are simply are, you know, they feel like, why don't you hire Americans? Yeah. Well, yeah. Americans, the truth is, is they're just not ready and willing to conduct these types of jobs. Yeah. You know. But, um, so I think this actually brings up a pretty interesting point, and I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be. Oh, yeah, um, I'm ready to answer but, it. 
What do you think is the biggest shortcoming of the H2B program? The biggest shortcoming? You can, there's, this is another, it's another day conversation, but you can live and die by the program. Yeah. You can live and die by the program because you can have a big influx of guys. Whatever your petition demands, 20, say it's 20 guys, and you're just starting. Yeah. And you're a young business owner and you're hopeful and you're putting a lot of energy and as many people will tell you it's uh, a lot of businesses fail you just start it and you have a wife and kids and you don't make it yeah. because you get your guys you start building your clientele up and then per your agreement your guys go back in November and then your application gets put into a lottery and say it's group C. And for those that don't know, the yeah. cap usually gets maxed out and it's, been, it's becoming quicker and quicker yeah. every every year for the last four years. But yeah. group, if, you don't, if you're not in group A, you're... You're, you're out of luck. You're no if you have the cap subject petition, right? Correct. And I guess just to explain that a little bit, what the way that the H2B program works is they have 66,000 visas that are issued under the H2B regulations. And they the government breaks those out based off the government's fiscal year. So 33,000 of them on October 1st, 33,000 of them for an April 1st start date. And for the April 1st start dates, which is what makes up the vast majority of applications, that cap gets hit extremely fast. I think that there were 120 something thousand people applied for for 33,000 spots, something like that, 120, 130,000. And so, yeah, the cap gets hit really fast, which is, I think the biggest shortcoming of the HGB program is the numerical cap, especially without a returning worker exemption, which used to be the best thing ever was the yeah. returning worker exemption. But it, it is definitely, a, I think that the numerical cap is one thing that just demonstrates the politicization of something that just didn't need to be political because numerical caps don't actually make sense, especially whenever you're talking about a non-immigrant visa that has to be petitioned for and the labor market has to be tested every single year. So what value is there in a numerical cap other than to restrict the issuance of these visas? Well, why do you need to restrict the issuance of the visas if the employers testing the labor market to demonstrate it's not adversely affecting the U.S. workforce? It doesn't make any logical sense. Man, I've had a call. Yeah, it's, it's, this is where um, we should have took our blood pressure. <laughs> At the, at the beginning of this podcast. We'll know based off how much we're sweating. Yeah. I mean, that's some really good data. But um, I've had call, you know, back to the cap. I mean, because this is, again, H2B is very dynamic and very hard to understand, especially for someone who doesn't know yeah. anything about it. But back to the cap. What's even more frustrating is when the caps hit. Congress, so again, if you don't know anything about the H2B, Congress has the authority. Kyle probably knows a little bit more about it than I do. But Congress has the authority to, I forgot what the number is, but to extend. Yeah, they can increase the number of visas that are issued each fiscal year. And they usually do it in the budget bill. So you usually see it coming through in December. But here's the problem. The cap hit, gets hit for round two um, very early. It's mid-February. By the time they figure out they're going to extend the cap, put it in final rule. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. Final, so, final law. Final. Uh, yeah. So co Congress delegates the authority to DHS to issue the visas. And so Congress does that in December. So DHS has this authority starting in December to increase the number of available visas. If you don't make the cap, back to the shortcomings of the H2B programs, small business, big business, any size business, if you don't get your cap, 
Your best chance of getting your guys is going to be mid to late June. Yeah. Sometimes even later, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm giving yeah, your best case. You're, yeah. And, and when do you lose all of your revenue? Right in the spring. Well, maybe, maybe I should say it again. When you get all, when do you obtain all your revenue? Yeah. And typically quarter two, spring. Yeah. So now you're you're just starting over. Yeah. And you don't have any cash flow. You know, you don't have any uh, capital. You don't have any cash flow. Um, you've your quality has decreased. Yeah. So what about uh, your, your reputation? Your, your, your reputation it, it has, has decreased. And then the other problem is now you have all these fly-by-night guys that are coming in and just yep. really taking the market over. Yep. That's a, yeah. it, isn't, that, isn't that the great irony that by restricting legal immigration, you actually enable illegal immigration to displace the people that are legally trying to operate? And uh, fully compliant by... Paying sales tax, yeah, and having workers comp, and yeah. general auto, general liability, and um, yeah, I mean it's it's just a mess, and I think that the the policy makers, the decision makers in our country, unfortunately, um, since I've been in the program, have really um, not communicated, been held by the labor unions. I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, no, I I agree with you, and it is it's absolutely mind blowing. I mean, you if you if they, the the policymakers like to operate based off of, and this is really just politics in general nowadays. Politics in general nowadays are generally dumbed down to what's the easiest thing I can say to communicate to the most people because that's where I'm going to uh, get the most influence, as opposed to actually trying to persuade people and actually trying to get information that makes my point more valid. And policymakers do that now. So whether you're a Republican who will do it because immigration is an easy talking point, but then they, a lot of times they're against good forms of immigration that actually help their constituents. Uh, or if you're a Democrat that says, no, these are, you're, you're hurting the, uh, the, the lower middle class and, and the, the people that need these jobs the most. Yeah. You're driving their wages down. Yeah. And it's just, it's. And actually it's, 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 it's so crazy. It's the opposite. You're creating jobs. Yeah. That Americans uh, want to fulfill. That are yeah. Like what? What's, what's some examples of that? Oh, sales jobs, inside sales, outside sales, customer support, HR accounting, Man lawyers, mid management. Yeah. Management, you know, management. Yeah, I call them leadership roles. Yeah, all our leadership roles are, in my opinion, low. We don't pay anyone below a hundred k. Yeah, that's just yeah. where we're at. Yeah, and to me, that's a, that's a substantial income. Yeah, you and, know, and that's awesome. And the reality is, is that wouldn't be possible, but for the use of legal forms of immigration to perform the work. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's yeah, it is. Uh, that that's the another part that. Policyholders just completely miss. And back to leadership, though, and decision makers. It's like this is how extreme the opinions are in H two B. You know, like Ted Cruz. Yeah, he's very anti H two B. Yeah, what is Ted Cruz? He's, he's a Republican. Yeah, yep. and then we have Lloyd Doggett. Yeah, he's, which is a rep here in Austin. Yeah, he's extremely the other way. Yeah, pro H two B. No, he's not. Oh, he's not. He's not. He's very anti. I thought Lloyd Doggett. Oh, okay, maybe not. He's yeah. he's he's very anti H two B, and and we've we've been knocking on doors. Yeah, I and myself and my team, and, and the, only, the only way you're going to fix H two B, contact your reps. Yeah, 
contact your congressman. Um, some don't even know what it is. They don't. That's the some, problem. Some, um, my, I just recently moved about an hour west of Austin. And I have a new rep. And he told me it wasn't a, a house issue. What, whose issue is it? He told me it was a Senate issue. And I, and I got him in touch with uh, Gray Delaney. You know, it's a seasonal employment alliance. I think you've talked to Gray or you yeah. know Gray a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I was joking. I was like, can I sue my rep? I mean, <laughs> give me the time. I mean, yeah. and he and this is this is a right wing, you know, right. Again, I don't want to I'll try to keep politics out of it, but he wants to fix immigration. Yeah. And I keep on, I still email him to this day. You know, if you want to fix immigration, you need to fix H2B because no one's speaking for the H2B guys at all. You know, and what about these guys? They want all they want to do is come over here, make a good living, up their quality of life, take care of their family back in, I say Mexico, but now H2B is going all over. You know, we have Turkey, Thailand, it's a big deal. And I, I see all these requests because we're on the job board. You know, yeah, anyway, we'll kind of start going in circles because back to the blood pressure comment it's just good it's, it's just frustrating it is frustrating i know no it, it is i'm very sure that we will not have immigration reform anytime soon like it, it that's just one of those things that it's just not going to happen the, the two sides are so completely disconnected and look if i'm a if i'm a republican i'm not going to negotiate with democrats on immigration reform because the only thing that the democrats have been pushing for in immigration reform really is amnesty and the reason that they do that is obviously for votes. But if I'm a Democrat, I'm not going to negotiate with Republicans on immigration because Republicans tend to push business-friendly forms of immigration and really strong border control policies. And that's not what the Democrats want. So, I mean, they're, they're completely disconnected and they have no incentive to work with each other. And so it's just, I don't foresee anytime soon any sort of immigration reform. Well, that was a positive outlook for the day you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, just, it's really the same news yeah you know, you know everyone's in agreement with that and yeah that's the sad part yeah it is it is how often do you have the same guys come back year after year we like to keep it we like to keep them around yeah you know they're 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 extremely loyal there's a uh, very minimal issues they come here for one reason one reason only it's just to work big landscape installs they'll I mean, multiple crews multiple days they'll get it done our customers love them they have a good product i've used y'all for landscaping and I, I will say that they do damn good work y'all are also super responsive which i think is hugely important and for some reason undervalued and underappreciated by business owners nowadays but y'all y'all the y'all nailed it on that front too thank you of course all right well give us a uh, the most positive thing about using h2b and then we'll we'll end this thing i just had it this weekend i had a guy walk up to me and uh, i'm very emotional shared how grateful he was for the opportunity uh, and he just got done with the like big system in circle c big irrigation system and it's, it's hard work it's about five-man crew and it was saturday i was at the office getting some loose ends done and he came up to me and just shook my hand and was extremely grateful for the opportunity and uh, I, I just was like and this is this is kind of why i do it yeah you know the the, the great relationship between the employer and the employee provide a service. It was just, you know, a feel good moment. I do think that that is uh, one of the coolest things about the HTP program is that you're giving jobs to people that really, really appreciate having them. And it is jobs that people here do not want. It provides an opportunity for these people to come here and make money that they would have no hope for in their home country. 
I think that that's one of the the most amazing and cool things about the program. And also one of the reasons that it should really be expanded significantly is because it only is a net positive. It needs to be. It needs a tune up. Yeah, it needs a. It needs a. It needs like a quadruple tune up. But, yeah, you know. maybe a uh, overhaul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, cool. Well, we appreciate it, Ferris. We appreciate you coming here and, and talking with us. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Of course. Thank you all for listening to the Immigration Guy podcast. We really appreciate it. You can find us on our website. Go to www.farmerlawpc.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Just search at Kyle Farmer FLPC. You can find our law firm on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. All you have to do is search for at Farmer Law PC. Go ahead and subscribe to download all the episodes of our podcast. You can download them and listen to them whenever and wherever you want. Uh, we'll be releasing new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, which is apparently a real thing, Amazon Music, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. This is not legal advice, so any information that you get from this podcast should not be taken as such. If you are looking for legal advice, you should consult with a competent attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. Uh, if you want to schedule a consultation, just go ahead and use the link in the description of this episode. Thank you.